The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed in the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. The horses are at the gate. And they're off! Welcome to Winning Ponies. With a weekend coming up, this is the spot to be for news, handicapping, and spotlights featuring the winners behind horse racing today. Now, here's your host, John Engelhart, racing's regular guy. And thanks so much for taking the time to be with us tonight. Looking forward to an exciting show. Our first guest, you know her, you love her, and now you get to see her on television even more than when she was riding. Sean Tell Sutherland, who made a big mark for herself up in Canada, has ridden from coast to coast, and of course is known so well for that final season where she was uh, associated with Game On Dude, and uh, you know broke the uh, glass ceiling a couple times aboard that horse. And uh, Chantel is going to be with us, telling us about her new career with uh, TVG and other ventures that uh, she may be getting involved in in the near future. Uh, then our friend Tom Law, former editor of the Thoroughbred Times and now associated with the Clancy Brothers, moving on up to Saratoga with the Saratogian. Uh, he just created or was part of a team that created thisishorseracing.com. So get your pencils out. I want you to write it down. It is a really, really good website, uh, stays up to date, is, is upbeat, kind of fun to read, a lot of different categories to go to, and of course with Tom involved you're going to have some great writing. Uh, we will look uh, back at our races that we handicap with Dan Illman, and I hope you were listening last week as one of these races gave out a nice payday. Uh, we looked at, of course, the, the Santa Anita handicap, the swell, the Tom Fool and the Gotham. So, again, uh, things are getting closer and closer to the Triple Crown Trail right now. Uh, Leeds starting off of the first Saturday in May. And um, then we're going to bring in uh, Tom Law after he tells us about this as horse racing. He's a bit of a handicapper. And Tom is going to be uh, breaking down a couple derby preps. Uh, we got the uh, the San Felipe. It looks like the matchup between Flashback and, and Golden Sense. Uh, then we've got the Tampa Bay Derby. Verrazano, is he the bridge to the Kentucky Derby? While we're at Tampa, we're also going to look at the Grade 3 Hillsboro and then go down to the Gulfstream Park Handicap. I'm going to see which Fort Tom likes best, Fort Loudon or the return of Fort Larned. <clears throat> Shout out to my... Good friend and uh, handicapping pal, Ed Meyer. Uh, I kind of consult with him on, on the card and did today. And he gave me a call right after the uh, sixth race at Oaklawn Park because a little bit of a milestone was made. Calvin Burrell became, became the 26th jockey in North America to win five thousand races. He finally got it done. He was on the schneid for a while. <clears throat> And yeah, 
from uh, the description Ed gave me, uh, it was uh, quite a scene. It was almost like an apprentice rider winning his first races. The jockeys came out and were, were splashing him and back, uh, patting him, and they, they just had a great time when he was surrounded by all the jockeys. And it was kind of great uh, marketing uh, by the track. Uh, the, the city of Hot Springs produced uh, ball cards, commemorating the event, but they told the people that they weren't going to be given out until the day that Calvin got 5000 Now, Calvin himself got a life-size trading card in the winner's circle, and uh, the fans in attendance uh, got theirs in a pack. So uh, it was a good, great great marketing uh, idea for uh, sure. Of course, uh, Calvin, uh, he, he just keeps going on, you know. He started riding match races when he was only eight years old. Then he won the 2007 Kentucky Derby on Street Sense, 2009 with Mind That Bird, and then came back 2010 with Super Saber. And uh, so congratulations uh, to uh, Calvin. <clears throat> and then uh, Eric Wing just fired off an email just minutes ago, and uh it looks like the National Women's Hall of Fame, they announced the induction of nine American women, and this is for uh, various accomplishments, not just sports, but in there, a 2013 inductee is a woman that's been on with us on Winning Ponies before, Julie Crone. Of course, uh, she is the leading female thoroughbred horse racing jockey of all time, became the first woman to win a Triple Crown event with the Belmont Stakes, and uh, we really uh, are, are happy for Julie, and we were happy to have her on the show when, when she was here. Um, let's just take a look, kind of things you want to look for in this uh, upcoming week. Of course, uh, I stated the fact that Verrazano just – has been eye-popping. Everybody's talking about this horse, but he's only raced twice, but he's been the favorite in the first two pools of the Kentucky Derby future wager, and he's going to make his stakes debut in the Tampa Bay Derby. He'll be handicapping that. And then, uh, of course, we got uh, undefeated Flashback, who's going to make his third career in the San Felipe. We'll be looking at that as he goes against Golden Sense. Of course, one of the owners of Golden Sense is none other than Louisville men's basketball coach Rick Patino, and uh, he's in the uh, in the Tampa Bay Derby. It'll be interesting with Verrazano. A lot of horses favor that surface, and Falling Sky and Dynamic Sky uh, were only a neck apart in the Sam F. Davis. They're going to be in that field. Now, favored in the Kentucky Oaks future rate wager is Flashy Gray, and she's going to be making her stakes debut in Saturday's Honey Bee Stakes at Oak Lawn Park. Uh, looks like uh, Delta Princess winner Rose to Gold. She's going to try to bounce back from a runner-up performance in the Martha Washington in that honeybee. And in the saddle will be Mr. 5000, Calvin Burrell. So these are some things we're going to want to look out for for the next week. Of course, we'll be reporting them to you here on Winning Ponies. Okay, uh, if you're going to be in Louisville, you'll get to see not one but two Kentucky Derby winners because 2009 Derby winner Mine That Bird is returning to Churchill Downs. Uh, looks like the now seven-year-old gelding is going to be on display uh, at the Derby Museum from April 15th, and it'll be there through the 4th of July. So I imagine there'll be uh, photo opportunities. He's been staying uh, in 
Roswell, New Mexico, and the owner said, you know, Churchill's been so great with us. Of course, you know, there's a movie being made now about Mind That Bird called 50 to 1. And uh, the long shot will be on display at Churchill Downs. So if you get down there, it doesn't have to be Derby Day. Um, I'm sure that you'll be able to get your chance taken a photo with a Kentucky Derby winner. All right, well, all the hubbub last year about the Lasix in the Breeders' Cup. Well, it looks like it's not going to be extended. It looks like the Breeders' Cup board voted uh, to maintain its race day medication policies for this year where only the two-year-olds will be required to race without Lasix. It will not expand into any other divisions. They also announced that it dropped the six furlong $500,000 juvenile sprint from the roster. Um, That race has been going for two years. They just say that the the number of overall starters and overall quality of the the sprint fields uh, did not meet its expectation. And uh, I think a lot of people in the business will probably say not a bad move at all. Well, to, while talking about juvenile races, the place you want to break your maiden, if you got a good one, is going to be in New York because, once again, Naira is going to offer the $100,000 graded stakes bonus. So if you break your maiden uh, at the Aqueduct or Belmont meet and then you go on to win a graded stakes at Saratoga, Belmont, or Aqueduct the same season as a two-year-old, you're going to get a $100,000 bonus. <clears throat> According to Rick Violet Jr., who was on with us on Winning Ponies just uh, two weeks ago, he said the bonus was a tremendous success. It generated about 15 additional maiden races at Belmont. So you can bet anybody that thinks they've got a hot two-year-old in the barn is going to be uh, heading to New York to break their maiden. Uh, Last year, Burn Identity and Shanghai Bobby, they both collected the $100,000 bonus after winning the the Sanford and the Three Chimneys Hopeful. So uh, certainly a very uh, interesting incentive. Well, while it's not $5,000, it's $2,000. Hats off to Dennis Collins, veteran rider. Got number 2,000 at Turf Paradise on Monday. A working man's hero is something to be. Mr. Collins, 50 years old. He started out in Jersey on his first race at Laurel, and uh, so pretty much he's been rooting at the uh, tracks in uh, New Mexico and Turf Paradise, and he's going to ride at Yavapah. So congratulations uh, to him. All right, uh, let's take a quick look at the Kentucky Derby point standings. Right now, it's I've struck a nerve, who's on top with 51, just over Vijack. In third is Orb. Fourth, Shanghai Bobby. Fifth, Golden Sense, and he could well move his stock up this week. And then you've got West Hills Giant, Code West, Oxbow, Speak Logistics, and It's My Lucky Day, tied with about six others with 10 points. Let's take a quick look now at the races that we handicapped last week. Again, we had the daily racing forms. Dan Illman on with us. I hope you were tuned in. Uh, Dan was just a a fantastic guest, and I'm sure we're going to have him back on again. But uh, the the big race and one that I'm sure uh, Chantel Sutherland was was watching awfully closely was the Santa Need a Handicap Grade 1, a race that she won on this horse. Game on, dude, went wire to wire. 
and you had to hear Trevor's call because as the horse rounded the turn and headed for home, he said, Game on, dude, has not taken a deep breath yet. With Mike Smith in the saddle, wire to wire, one by seven and three quarters lengths. Game on, dude, went off at six to five, got the job done. It's great to see these older horses. He's he's six years old right now and won over three and a half million. Absolutely loves the distance and absolutely loves Santa Anita. And eight starts there, that was his seventh victory. Uh, and then the second spot was 27-1 shot clubhouse ride with Rafael Bayerano, who uh, stuck around. You know, he ran second to Game on Dude in the San Antonio in their last start, which it surprises me that people were not giving him a little more credit uh, than they did uh, and let him go off at 27 to one, and in the third spot was uh, called to serve. Of course, uh, Gary Stevens was back in the saddle. We said how great this horse was working, and managed to managed to hit the board. So again, that was the Santa Anita handicap. A game on, dude. A horse we want to talk about with Chantel Sutherland here in just a few minutes, and then uh, the swale stakes again because it's not going around two turns. This did not involve the derby points but first and very impressive finishing strongly was clearly now he was four wide on the turn this horse was third behind it's my lucky day in shanghai bobby in the holy bull but got the job done in here uh running second 50 to one sing another song Third down on the rail was undrafted, who was the second favorite, and putting in kind of a uh, dull effort was the even-money favorite, Todd Pletcher trained 40 tails. Then we went to the Tom Fool handicap. We, uh, we made an audible, and we changed this race from another, and, man, I'm, I'm glad we did. The big question was, could the West Coast shipper comma to the top Get the job done in the Tom Fool. He, he raced almost exclusively his whole right life on the West Coast. And what a ride that Joel Rosario put in. Just an unbelievable ride. He took the lead. He nursed it for trainer Peter Miller. And then coming home, man, they came at him. And Saturday's Charm actually led at the 16th pole. There were about four of them across the the track, no panic by Joel Rosario, put in a, just a fantastic job, came back, won by a nose over Saturday's charm and head, heart, and hoof. And the last race that we looked at, and I hope you folks were listening <laughs> to Dan and I, uh, don't want to pat ourselves on the back too much, but we really said that it looked like, you know, overanalyze and Vijack uh, were without a doubt the horses to beat. But who would you put in there with them? And we both picked uh, a long shot. And uh, Dan, surprisingly, West Hills Giant floated up to 33-1. to one. Had the speed. This horse was throwing the blinkers on for the first time. And the New York bred managed to finish second. While my long shot selection at 8-1, to one, El Nawi, a Kieran McLaughlin-trained horse, ran third. So if you did have the very impressive Vijack, who is now undefeated 4-4, four for four, on top of our long shots, well, the trifecta paid 
$78. All right, so much for what happened last week. We want to find out what's going to happen in the future with one of the uh, most uh, exciting personalities I believe we have in racing, the one, the only, Chantel Sutherland. You're listening to Winning Ponies. Internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. And they're off. What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form, the most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry, let winningponies.com make some money for you. Are you a real sports fan? Get ready to talk football and anything else sports with Kwame Lasseter, formerly with the Arizona Cardinals, San Diego Chargers, and St. Louis Rams. Kwame's got the experience, so he's prepared to talk sports with you every week on Kwame Lasseter's Sports Talk. It's on the Voice America Sports Network every Tuesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, noon Eastern Time. Get ready for unpredictable fun and sometimes a sarcastic look at the world of sports. That's Kwame Lasseter's Sports Talk on the Voice America Sports Network. The opening kickoff is a beauty. It's a fly ball deep right field. That goes O'Neal. He's at the shot. Got it. With 2.8 seconds left to left. I don't care where they put him. This one is out of here. From high school to the pros, we cover everything. Let your voice be heard. Voice America Sports. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Engelhart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. All right, and with me right now, very excited to have Chantel Sutherland on with us. I started pulling down information on her, and we spent 15 minutes just talking about her resume. Of course, uh, she started out up in Canada. Uh, She was voted uh, the the Sovereign Award, and she was actually one of Canada's highest-paid female athletes back in 2002. Since then, she, uh, after she left Canada, she wasn't afraid to travel around the country and uh, seek uh, you know, advice from other jockeys. I understand some of the top jocks in the, in the business uh, helped her out along the way, but if she was going to get a derby mount, she had to come to the bigs. And uh, certainly she landed on one of the biggest horses ever with Game on Dude, a horse she uh, uh, set several uh, thresholds with as, the, as a female rider. And, uh, well... Chantel is just a pretty an amazing individual. It's hard to believe at her young age that she's uh, she's gotten out of the saddle, but she has, and now she's even better. We get to see more of her now because she's on TV with TVG. Chantel Sutherland, welcome to Winning Ponies. Hi, thank you very much. I'm excited to be on the show. Well, as I as I told you off air. Um, you, you didn't come to Kentucky that much, but I did get a chance the year that you came in and you rode great hot 
and beat a nice little filly by the name of Groupie Doll at yes. the wire in the Raven Run. And I just have to share my experience uh, with, with our audience in that you, you have to see Chantel as far as being an ambassador of the sport, watching her interact with the fans was just fantastic. Uh, after the race, she was just so giving of her time, uh, stopping to pose with the fans, to sign autographs. And Chantal, I want to ask you, as somebody that, that's been at the big tracks and been hanging out with some of the best jockeys in the world, do the big-name jockeys really appreciate the impact that, that they can have? I mean, you look at NASCAR and country music, and th- those sports just create a loyal fan base. And when I saw your interaction w- with, with the folks at Keeneland and at Churchill, you could just tell that these people were going to, like, hang your picture up in their, their daughter's bedroom for the rest of their life. Did, did the jocks really understand the impact they can have? Um, I hope they do. I think some of them really do. And uh, it's, sometimes jockeys are really forced to get back to the jocks room and change really quick the next race, but we can't really spend too much time with the fans. But if we give a race off or something, um, I think most of us try to, you know, hang out with uh, the fans. I know what it was like to be a fan and how much I loved horse racing before I became a jockey. So I really try to give back, and I love our sport so much. So, um, And I just love the fans. They're so nice. Well, you just do a sensational job, and it really seems to, to come from the heart. You're the right person to have as an ambassador of the sport. Well, before I get ahead of myself, let's rewind a little bit. And I know that uh, you remind me a little bit of Patricia Cooksey, who was one of my favorite the leading riders. Uh, she was quite an athlete herself at a young age. Uh, tell us about the, the, your early development out there in Canada. Well, you know, I started at the university. I got a job at the track and started galloping and then um, basically went to the United States and I heard of Angel Cordero and at the time I didn't really know who he exactly was. And then I went to the United States and just started learning from Angel and he taught me pretty much all the basics. And um, I stayed in the United States for about a year and then went back to Canada and then that's when I started became an apprentice. Well, you, you certainly uh, learned at, at the foot of one of the greatest guys in, in racing. I grew up uh, watching him race at Saratoga, and he was just unbelievable. And as you can see, the impact that I'm sure that he's had on, on Johnny V over the years. How would you like to have Angel as your agent? Yeah, no, he's fantastic. He's just not only personable, he's a great teacher, and uh, he's just so much fun to be around. Well, you, you were so much fun uh, t- to watch. It, it was. It, it's too bad that Jack was uh, as short-lived as it was. And, and I'll tell you why. It's because it, that show, you, those of us in racing kind of saw, you know, some things that were maybe, um, you know, kind of put on or, 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 or whatever. But friends of mine that don't really watch racing, that watch that show, they learned a lot about the game because it seems like each week they would pick maybe a jockey or an agent or what goes on in the morning workouts. It's a shame that that show and, quite frankly, luck couldn't keep going. Yeah, it's too bad because I think I really did enjoy doing jockeys, and I think luck was just going to be so awesome. It's really too bad. Well, you, you seem like such a, a, a natural uh, with, with your personality and, and your good looks. What what is it like now, flip-siding, that you're on the other side of the mic? Um, you know, TVG was fun. I really enjoyed it. I do love watching horses, and I love watching horse racing. So 
uh, I, I miss it. And um, I do miss being back in the saddle. I think sometimes I really want to do it again. It's just sort of juggling uh, being a wife and having a husband and working. And I know what it takes to be the best. And it takes a lot of your time. So in order to have that kind of energy and dedication, um, I really have to think about what I'm going to do next. But as far as the analyzing stuff, I love it. I think I do have something to offer, um, a handicapper from a jockey's perspective, which I think some people would be interested in. Um, not everyone. And um, I, uh, it's something I would like to do. I'd also like to continue with the acting because I really did love luck. And I've done some commercials. Uh, you'll see uh, I did something with Annie on Celebrity Bucket List, and then I did a Nike commercial that's going to come out really soon. So I've been doing other stuff, but um, it's not as rigorous or um, as uh, demanding as being a jockey, but I'm still having fun. I'm traveling, and I really had a great time to relax and freshen up. Well, I, I can imagine that you don't feel that responsibility at 4.30 in the morning. you got to make sure you're up and off to the track, working the barns and, and exercising horses. Um, what are you doing these days to keep yourself fit? Well, I run every day, and I still go to the gym. I still do, um, you know, every, like, Mondays is uh, chest and shoulders, and Tuesday is um, legs, you know, Wednesday, back and tries. So I'm still working out quite a bit. Um, I'm eating really healthy. My body has changed quite a bit. I'm not as fit as a jockey by any means. It's just the whole racing and the getting on the horses every day is an extremely strenuous um, type of fitness. But I'm pretty fit for the average person. <laughs> just, uh, you know, it's been nice. It's been nice to relax a little bit. Well, I know that, uh, you know, you were once uh – chosen as one of People Magazine's 100 Most Beautiful People, and uh, that you were uh, kind of a spokesperson for Mistura uh, Cosmetics. Uh, any other uh, modeling or potential acting jobs in the works? Um, well, we're working on a, on a reality show right now, and we'll see how that goes. Um, stuff, Anything with the racetrack is always difficult because the horses and it just um, all the different personalities, it's hard to get it all come, to come together. Uh, there's, um, you know, maybe Sesame Street, um, maybe Great. going to Tokyo. Um, so there's, there's things on the, you know, the iron is hot still, and I'm trying to, um, you know, respond to everything, the demands and things that are coming up. And uh, I really, really want to write a children's book about being a jockey and, so there's lots on my mind. <laughs> well, they say when one door closes, another one opens. It sounds like a lot of doors are going to open for you. I think you need a, a cologne called Chantel Number no. 5. <laughs> there you go. All right. You, you can give that to your marketing director and tell him it was a free one for me. Well, <laughs> Okay, that's fantastic. Coming I love on, on the set, this had to be uh, – will you describe your feelings to me? Um here you are, you're put on the stage, the Santa Anita handicap, and instead of getting a leg up, you're in a chair, and you're watching your boy, Game On Dude. Can you describe what like what that was like in the Santa Anita handicap last weekend? You know, it was nice. I was, I was proud and happy to be in the situation I was in to be able to watch the race, and people wanted to hear what I had to say. Um, it's very uh, humbling and flattering, and 
you know, to watch him, I'm happy for him. And, you know, you can't ride him all the time. And, um, of course, I would love to be riding him again. He was so special to my heart. I'm happy for him. I know him. I know him as a horse and that I love him. So I want nothing but for him to win all the time. So I was really happy. I think Mike rode him absolutely fantastic. And he's in such good order. He's a happy little horse. And it's it's nice for the fans to be and attach themselves to a champion like this. And I hope that, you know, he keeps winning. It's great for the sport. And I have nothing but happiness and great things to say about him. And Mike, Bob Baffert, Bernie, all the owners, I mean, they're great owners. They've treated me with such respect, and they've just been amazing. So it's been an amazing ride, and I can only be grateful. Well, uh, it was just exciting, especially with with you just coming back and, and having this huge race. And yeah, it was it was a sensational ride. Um, I've got to guess that uh, you, you've kind of got the inside track on, on some folks as far as your television production is concerned, because you can pretty much walk the shed row and pretty much pick up a conversation with anybody from your experience out there. Yeah, you know, I know a lot of people. I know the hot walkers, the grooms who groom the horses all the way to the trainers, to the owners, um, some of the jets you've flown on. You get to know the, you know, flight attendants, and um, it's been amazing. It's been an amazing journey. Well, you, you've been amazing for the game. Now, before we go, of course, all of these shows are on podcasts if anybody doesn't have their pencil sharpened right now. But uh, could you give out your Twitter handle? Yes, it's uh, at Jackie Chantel. And, um yeah, you know, follow me on Twitter. I love, I tweet as much as I can, and I retweet stuff. And, uh, yeah, I would love to hear from you, and um, and I will even follow you. <laughs> as a matter of fact, I just signed on last week. So, again, it's at Jackie Chantel if you want to uh, get in touch uh, with Chantel Sutherland. Well, it's been just uh, a fantastic uh, few minutes that you spent with us. I so look forward to your future, whatever that brings, uh, whether it uh, keeps you in an announcer's chair or someday sees you back in the saddle, as well, we've seen a, a few riders just say that they couldn't, you know, get rid of the bug or they know that perhaps they haven't um, meet, met their peak. Uh, it, it's kind of really great to watch this whole Gary Stevens story uh, unvelop. But uh, either way, Chantel, thanks so much for taking the time to be on Winning Ponies. We wish you nothing but the best of luck. And thank you, too, and thank you to Winning Ponies, and it's been a pleasure to be on the show. All right, that was Chantel Sutherland, just a marvelous ambassador of thoroughbred racing. On Winning Ponies, we're going to take a little bit of a break, and when we come back, be back with one of my favorite guests, Mr. Tom Law. Internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. And they're off. What? Can't make it to the track? 
you can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily race, don't worry. Let winningponies.com make some money for you. Every Wednesday, you'll want to talk sports with touchdown Tony Collins and his co-host Bill Mattis. Tony's broken records and has been to the Pro Bowl and the Super Bowl. We'll talk about what's happening in sports every week with news, action, and notable guests from all aspects of the sports world. We'll also involve you by discussing questions and topics of interest sent in via email from listeners all over the world. Become what you believe. Tune into Sports Talk with Touchdown Tony Collins, Wednesdays at noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific, on Voice America Sports. Your internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Englehart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Englehart. All right, and with me, a gentleman that's been on this show several times. A uh, guy that's worn a lot of hats in the last year, quite frankly. His, his name is, is Tom Law. Uh, Tom has uh, hooked up with the Clancy Brothers as uh, we spoke oh, a little over a month ago, I believe it was, with a new venture. He's going to be heading up, uh, helping out with the Saratogian, but he's not a guy that just kind of sits around and waits for things to happen. And uh, with the Clancy Brothers, he started a new website uh, that really moves and is easy to navigate. It's called thisishorseracing.com. Once again, write that down. We'll repeat it certainly before the end of the show. But thisishorseracing.com. And it, it's really it, it's, it's, uh, it's informative, uh, but it's light, it's lively, it, it's up-to-date. Uh, it's got quotable quotes. Uh, kind of tells you who's who's in the headlines. It's got uh, uh, blogs and everything. Uh, Tom Law, how we doing, my friend? I'm doing great, John. How you doing? It's uh, great to be here. Uh, I'm doing fantastic. I just had, uh, got off the interview with Chantel Sutherland. It'll be very interesting to see where where her career goes. I I, I was nice enough that I didn't bring up the Vanity Fair spread. <laughs> well, I caught the uh, I caught the tail end of your interview with her and. Uh... You know, I hope to, uh, I don't know, hope she was a good uh, lead-in. Hope uh, hope your viewership doesn't go <laughs> down the tubes after having her on and then having me on. But No, uh, I'm not going to worry <laughs> about that at all yeah. because not only are we going to uh, talk about thisishorseracing.com, but we've got some really good races to talk about. And really the, the, right. whole, the whole landscape of, uh, you know, the Triple Crown Trail, I've never seen so many different roads you can go down this year. Yes, yeah, uh, and now it's really, really getting good. You know, now that we're into March, you know, March and April, really the last two months uh, leading into the Kentucky Derby and the rest of the Triple Crown. You know, you just look at some of the races this weekend, even even some of the races last weekend uh, were phenomenal, and uh, this this weekend coming up is going to be great. 
Yeah, you know, at, at, at first I was kind of, like a lot of people, scratching my head about the triple crown point system, uh, w- with the exception of a couple seven furlong races and, and the Illinois Derby. Um, it looks like what they've done is they've really kind of forced a lot of trainers' hands because you look at these races and you've got full fields, and if not all, all but one horse will be already nominated for the Triple Crown. It's kind of like they're forcing these guys to pull the trigger instead of sitting back on their graded stakes earnings. Yeah, that's exactly right. I, I read a piece the other day. I'm not exactly even sure who wrote it or who who was quoted in the story, but they basically said the uh, defending the the Triple the Kentucky Derby point system as basically saying it's creating better fields uh, for the prep races, which. You know, I tend to agree. I think there were a lot of races maybe that people could point to and, you know, pick up maybe, uh, you know, it's never easy to get to get a lot of money in a graded stakes race, but maybe a little bit easier. And you look at uh, races like the uh, the Fountain of Youth and the, and the Tampa Bay Derby and the, the Rebel Stakes coming up are, are shaping up as, as being really, really tough competitive races because these guys know that they they have to run, they have to get the points if they want to run. And I, and I think when all is said and done, uh it's going to be the the right group of horses that's running in the Derby, uh, the same as it always really is. Um, you know, if, if for nothing else, Churchill was very ingenious, I think, in, in coming up with the system and, and doing something to get people to talk about it. You know, I'm not saying that they did it on purpose, but I'm maybe not saying that they didn't do it on purpose. Uh, if, you know, you and I are talking about it right now. Uh, it's in the papers just about every week. The point system is, uh, in the USA Today every Monday, you know, that's, that's a good thing for racing, and it's a good thing for the Kentucky Derby. Well, what did you think about uh, the Illinois Derby with, with their snub being kind of creative and actually adding a lot of money to the person saying, well, if we're not going to be part of the Derby, we're going to become the biggest Preakness prep? Right. I, I, that was a good idea on their part. Um, you know, John, as you know, and, and you and I have been, I guess, around long enough to know that there's a lot of political moves that are made in, in the sport of racing, and that's pretty much why uh, the Illinois Derby was left out. You know, Arlington Park is is uh, run by Dick Dushiswah, who's the main shareholder at Churchill Downs, and just con- coincidentally, the, the main competitor for his track all these years has been Hawthorne, which is the site now of the Illinois Derby. Uh, so, you know, it, it, the, the folks at Hawthorne should be really applauded for, for rather than just kind of putting their tail between their legs and kind of going into a hole and saying, all right, well, we can just make our race a $100,000 grade three race. They really stepped up and said, look, we can, we can, you know, turn a negative into a positive and hopefully they will. It's, the, the spacing is certainly going to be good. When you look at the way a lot of trainers nowadays, uh, prepare their horses for big races, it'll be a nice big, long, uh, six-week layoff, which, you know, seems to be uh, a fairly popular move for a lot of horsemen, you know, that four-, five-, six-week layoff. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised to actually see a, a pretty nice field of guys that just couldn't gear their horse up in time to, to, to get the point system. Well, let, let's go back to, to this is horse racing. I'm, I'm on the, the, the site right now. Uh, tell me about its, its creation and what it is you're trying to do that might be just maybe a little bit different than some of the other horse racing sites out there. Sure, sure. Well, I can't take too much uh, of the credit for it. Uh, you know, a lot of the credit needs to go to Joe and Sean Clancy. They're kind of the the, uh, the brainchild behind the ST Publishing, and they we we decided uh, late last year, early this year, to kind of abandon the uh, flagship publication for them, which was Steeplechase Times. 
go on a, a little bit of a new venture. We, we are still going to do a lot of steeplechase uh, coverage in the Mid-Atlantic Thoroughbred, which is a publication that Joe uh, is the editor t- uh, for, and I help him out with that. But we, we decided we wanted to expand our operation a little bit, become a little bit more national, and, and, and really have a venue for us to write about thoroughbred racing in a way that we feel like uh, is not really being done in the industry today. There's certainly a lot of uh, news websites and, and people providing daily news and really good uh, analytical news about the industry, and, and I have experience doing that uh, from my days at Thoroughbred Times. Uh, we wanted to do something along the lines of what they do with the Saratoga Special every year at Saratoga for uh, six, seven weeks, where they... You know, it's a spot for, for good reads, a spot for really good stories to uh, tell stories of the horses, you know, get in the shed rows. And, and I heard you talking about uh, Chantal Sutherland and how she knows everybody at, at, at the racetracks. You know, Joe and Sean have a great rapport with horsemen all over the country, uh, both steeplechase and uh, flat racing for sure. Uh, I have a lot of good connections, and, and I made some good inroads over the last couple of months even, uh, spending the month of uh, February down in Ocala. I went to go see a lot of horsemen down there, spent some time at Gulfstream, went down to Tampa Bay Downs while I was in Florida, and, and really uncovered a lot of good stories. You know, we're not going to cover every single race, um, but we're going to cover the big ones, and we're going to try to find some stories that we think, uh, that we think are interesting, and, and hopefully people that are fans and people that are involved in the sport of thoroughbred racing also think are interesting. Well, you, you, you said it all, and again, to our listeners at Winning Ponies, uh, thisishorseracing.com is where you want to go, and it really is, like I said, it's just, it, it's a great read, and it's like, if, quite frankly, if it was a magazine, I'd subscribe to it, but I can get it free on the Internet, so yeah. I'm going to do it. But you keep it fresh, you keep it great, and that, it, it, just a, a super staff, as, as you already stated. Well, yeah, uh, and I, I don't want to just interrupt you just for a minute, but just to kind of give you an example of the kind of stuff that we're going to do, uh, Joe the other day went out to Fairhill, which he's, he's based in Fairhill, Maryland. He went out and saw Orpass, a horse that ran in the Gotham. He actually didn't run very well in the Gotham, but he went out, talked to Mike Trombetta, saw the horse train that day, and wrote a nice piece about the horse and, and his history. And, and the, the day before, I went out to Keeneland to go see Charlie Lepresti, and Wise Dan was 35, uh, 33 degrees. It was snowing. It was cold. And uh, spent the morning with Charlie and his team and just, you know, had a great visit with them and saw Wise Dan train um, and, and just kind of did a story rather than just kind of give the blow-by-blow of his workout and here's what Charlie saw. You know, kind of just spent the day and kind of soaked up the atmosphere, you know, like, uh, Sean and Joe always say we want we want the reader to be able to kind of smell the popcorn and be able to, you know, feel like they're there. So you know that's really what we're trying to do. Oh well, that that that's a great statement. And uh, again, uh, those would be titled "A Bad Trip to Gotham" and "Wise Dan Heats Things Up as He Preps for His Return." So uh, we will again. If you didn't have your pen in hand, we're going to repeat the website uh, at the top of the hour. But uh, while I've got my handicap and pal here, I know uh, he's watched a horse a race and has been to a window a time or two during his career. Uh, let's let's start out on the West Coast, uh, in the Santa Anita, the San Felipe. You're going to be nice points given out for this. Um, all but one horse 
in this race is nominated to the Triple Crown. Um, it, to me, it just looks like a, a really neat uh, kind of matchup uh, between uh, the up-and-coming uh, flashback, who's only made two career starts, uh, though the last one was pretty impressive, and Golden Sense, uh, who had both a good uh, two-year-old season and came out running in, in, in the sham stakes. Both of these horses, though, not so battle-tested this year. They both ran against very short fields in what was still two impressive efforts. Um, I can't get away from these two. Maybe you can. Give me your impressions. Yeah, they're tough. I mean, they're going to be really tough, I think, in here. And, and you know, a good, you know, you look at a common opponent, they both ran against a horse named Den's Legacy, and that's a horse that Bob Baffert trains um, that, that had, uh, you know, I think, Golden Sense beat him by more lengths. I don't know, you know, who beat who by how much, and, you know, if you want to use that angle. But, uh, you know, I think Flashback is, you know, probably the horse to be in here in the in the San Felipe, uh, you know, stepping up again. He's only had two career races, but, you know, he's done really nothing wrong in those two races. Um, I do think he's going to be pretty tough. Like you said, it's, it's pretty tough to find somebody else. I was trying to, like, look around for a little value. And actually, I started looking at, Baffert's other horse. It seems like Baffert will will win a race like this every now and again when he has two horses, and he has Carving, the horse breaking from the rail with Bejarano, who had some trouble last time out in the El Camino Real Derby. Um, interesting that he's, he's co-owned by uh, Bodie Miller, who's an Olympic skier. So, I'm not hey, sure yeah, yeah, that was, was kind of interesting to see um, to see that along with uh, Bob Baffert's wife. Um, you know, I don't know that he's going to be up to the task. To, uh, to beating his stablemate, but uh, interesting that he's in there if he does decide to, to run both those horses. Well, my long shot play is certainly uh, underneath an exotics is going to be Tis a Minister. I know it's a Calbred, but mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. if there's a pretty competitive pace in here, and as you know, this time of year with uh, three-year-olds, there often is, this horse can come flying from out of the clouds and has Garrett Gomez in the saddle. Uh, it'd be nice if that horse was was a price and can maybe pick up a little something in, in the exactest tri-supers. Yeah, I would say he'll I would say he'll definitely be a price. You know, with those other two in here are definitely going to really take a beating, you know, to, to you know, kind of use that over overused cliche. I, Another horse I'm looking at maybe as a price uh, who's run well in two races at Santa Anita is John Sheriff's horse on the um, on the yeah. outside. That's uh, yeah. I mean he's going to be good. Omega Star. He's a Calbred by Candy Ride. Ran uh, ran a good race last time out to be second in the uh, the California Breeders Champion Stakes, which was uh, you know a little more than a month ago. And finished just behind. Tis a minister. Uh, the one thing that did catch my eye in here, and we'll move on to the two. Uh, to the Tampa Bay Derby in a second is the fact mm-hmm. that wow does Doug O'Neill have Golden Sense on his toes five great mm-hmm. bullet works yeah strong you know he's uh, I, I guess he's a good workhorse <laughs> right say, yeah but the thing the is, when you're out there uh, working at this time of year you know that there were some other good horses that went those distances those days absolutely and they you know a lot of horses work fast in California, you know, and uh, especially yeah. Baffert horses that, you know, a lot of them are probably on a, a same sort of schedule on the same, a lot of them are working on those same days. So for him to him to be turning in those workouts is, uh, you know, worth noting. And, and Frank Angst, who's a guy that uh, I used to work with at Thurber Times, you know, he's a, 
a huge fan of kind of taking a look at workouts and taking a look at maybe taking a look at the other horses that are working the same day and at the same distance and that he really weighs that into his handicap and that I've tried to, to use that as well, maybe not as well as he does, but uh, <laughs> I've, uh, I've certainly tried to use that angle. He's a good capper. Well, listen, let's he move is. on to the Tampa Bay Derby. Now, in this race, all nine horses are Triple Crown nominees, and as we're talking about what happens in the morning, five of these horses are coming off bullet works in their last or next-to-last works. There's definitely some talent in here, of course, the horse that everybody's talking about is Verrazano, though he's only made two lifetime starts and has never run at Tampa, and sometimes that can be a real edge down there. That surface is a little bit different, and you got, you know, Dynamic Sky and Falling Sky coming out of the Sam Davis. They both put in a bang-up race in there. Uh, it, it should be very much of a challenge for Verrazano, who I believe is the uh, the future book favorite in the Kentucky Derby. Yeah, he's a- he is. He's a few. You know, he's he, pretty much a deserving favorite. I mean, he's four to five in here. That's a that's a short price in a race like this against horses like you said that have run at Tampa Bay and and uh, just I can speak from experience going down there. You know, I've I've certainly paid attention to the races that they run at Tampa Bay Downs through the years. But after spending some time down there, I definitely noticed that there were horses that certainly had never run there before. But, you know, were a little bit up against it maybe against horses that had run there before. So. Uh, you know, when I was down there, I actually wrote a, a story about Jose Espinosa, who's kind of like revitalized his career almost. He's, it's not like he's a uh, a nobody or anything like that, but um, you know, he's kind of a would ride at a real low percentage, maybe stand all all year in New York. Besides not anymore. I mean, he's just riding unbelievably well. Uh, and uh, Falling Sky, you know, they scratched him out of Mountain Youth because he had a bad post. You know, he might might a little bit have a bad post here, but a mile sixteen. On the outside at, at Tampa is not going to really hurt him in here, but you know, back to Verrazano, you look at his maiden win. Uh, he won easily there, and then four of the next six finishers behind him have all come back and won their maidens, and that's you know that's a good thing. And then uh, you know, then he comes back and just annihilates an allowance field. Uh, the horse that's third in that allowance race, Gunderman, he comes back. He wins another race as well. So, you know, the horses that Verrazano is running against are flattering him with those performances. So he's going to be pretty tough to beat, in my opinion. But, uh, you know, they got to run it. And like you said, he's never run there before. So we'll have to see if he's able to, you know, handle that uh, ship over from Palmetto's over there to Tampa and, and handle that surface. One more horse that I think is deserving of uh, some mention, I was talking with my uh, friend and handicapper, Ed Meyer, uh, is Purple Egg. He was pretty impressed with uh, how this horse uh, won all three of his races, and uh, he's one for one at Tampa Bay and is on his toes with a bullet work. Yeah, it's hard to uh, to knock a horse that's, you know, undefeated, that's run at three different tracks, you know, and he came back well from a, a layoff. He hadn't run since mid-September in, in, in Philadelphia and, and won a, a pretty nice race there in the inaugural uh, at, at Tampa, uh, you know, a little more than a month ago. Or, you know, back, in, back on December 1st. So, I mean, that's, uh, he's coming off a little bit of a layoff in here, but, you know, not necessarily a, a, a terrible thing. 
Well, while we're at Tampa, let's stay there for the grade three Hillsboro. I, I love Tampa Bay Downs. Uh, it's just it's my kind of track. And I love that turf course where they come from the infield and make that swooping turn at you. It, 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 the Hillsboro grade three, it, it's a mile and an eighth. And I think this race is it's kind of highlighted by the fact that there's several runners with uh, European roots in here that could be very, very dangerous, including the uh, Chad Brown duo. Yeah, it's. It, I'm glad that you mentioned the the Chad Brown duo. And I was, you know, I was almost. Uh, I don't want to say I was hoping we were going to run out of time and we weren't going to get to this race. But man, this is a puzzler to me. I've uh, and uh, but this this is kind of a good race if you're a handicapper. You want to take a stab in here. I actually like uh, Chad's horse, Forces of Darkness. This is a filly that uh, you know. Not only is she she. Uh, a daughter of Lawman, which uh, happens to be a nickname of mine by a lot of my friends. <laughs> but uh, you know, uh, she's getting she's getting John Velasquez. You know, she's a Group One, Group Two, Group Three performer over in France. And, and Chad just does a, a great job with these kind of horses. You know, he's got a great team of people that uh, help pick out these horses for his his new owners uh, for his owners over here. You know, Martin Schwartz. He's got a great. Uh, agent, the same agent that used to buy a lot of horses for Bobby Frankel and ship those horses into the U.S. Um, you know, the layoff is really no problem, I don't think. Uh, you know, I think there's another horse that's coming off a layoff that's in here, uh, Christoph Clement's horse, Mystical Star. Um, and she hasn't been out since last fall either. She's another one that, that could have a good chance. Of course, she's not going to get rich on 9-2 to two or 4-1, to one, but they're, 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 they're not necessarily the favorite who's the Todd Fletcher horse, Old Tune who uh, ran in South America and then actually turned in a really really nice race here in her in her US debut. So yeah, this is a this is a good race and I, I think you may have to go a little bit deep. This this race is uh this is a, a tough tough race to get started in the the pick four there at Tampa. Well, a lot of horses are this day and age aren't asked to go a mile and eighth and uh I, I Ed pointed out to me uh, Isla Juan, the French bred, who's uh won at this distance three times and uh, he, again he told me he said that this horse was steadied pretty bad in the Sewanee River at Gulfstream mm-hmm. Park. So I I think I'm gonna give a little edge to the other Chad Brown horse. Certainly I think your horse has the class edge, but it it hasn't, you know, raced in North America yet. We'll find out what it's done. Um, so I'm going to kind of go with Kyla Run. I see we got about three minutes left here, Tom, just to kind of give you a pace as we go into uh, southern part of Florida, a shorter field, and it's the Gulfstream Park Handicap, grade two, $300,000. And it looks like uh, it'll be interesting to watch the two forts go against each other with the mystery horse, Discreet Dancer. Yeah, for sure. I mean, Fort Lauren, of course, you know, in his last start, he, he did nothing but uh, win the Breeders' Cup Classic last time out, uh, pretty much gate-to-wire fashion at Santa Anita. He's uh, he's coming back. He's a horse that has, you know, really good tactical speed. I don't think the one-turn mile at Gulfstream is going to hurt him whatsoever. Uh, you know, you look at uh, Fort Loudon and, and Swagger Stick were 1-2 last time out. Uh, I was actually at Gulfstream that day and saw, uh, saw that race. And, and Fort Loudon is a horse that's impressive. I think those horses by Awesome, of course, who is his sire, just uh, have this unbelievable amount of gameness. These horses are, are very, very gritty. I talked to Nick Zito after the race quite a bit about it, and, you know, he was impressed. And I think, you know, I don't know that he necessarily has to be on the lead. You, you see he won a seven-for-long race, and you think, oh, he's going to be speed. Fort Lauren's going to be speed. Uh, discreet Dancer, you look at his other races, he, he was on the lead. He's never run anywhere except Gulfstream. 
but his last race he kind of came from a little bit off of it, but maybe he wasn't uh, quite as sharp. Now that he's going to be making his second start. This is a this is a tough race. I'm gonna I'm gonna go toward Fort Loudon. I think the mile is probably a, a good distance for him. He's actually watch the replay of that last race. He's actually starting to to draw away again last time, even though uh, Swagger Jack was was running at him there at the end. Although you know Fort Loudon certainly is easily the horse to beat in here, uh, being the Breeders' Cup Classic winner, and you know you know really did nothing wrong last year. Uh, even in the races he, he lost, he may have had some excuses. I, I do think he's going to be pretty tough in here. All right. Well, I totally agree with you. You know, a lot of talent, and it'll be interesting to see which way it goes. Uh, we're talking, again, with Tom Law. And, Tom, I want to give out uh, your new website one more time for our listeners. This is horseracing.com. It's fresh. It's different. And, and knowing Tom and the Clancy's, they're going to keep that thing being fresh all the time for sure we hope so and uh you know we hope people read the site uh leave comments you know follow us on uh follow along our blogs and and stories we'll we'll take you right up through the triple crown right through saratoga right on through the fall and we'll we'll try to uncover some good stories for people Thanks so much for being on winning ponies tom law ladies and gentlemen and earlier Chantel sutherland Another real fun show. Thanks for taking the time to listen to us. Tell your friends about the show. They're all on podcast. If they missed anything, they can go back and get it. Remember, when you go to the races, practice safe bets. Thanks for listening to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. We know the information from today's show will help you at the next post. Keep listening for more next Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Sports Network.